You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Just Swallows Broadway. <laughs> Sitting here with Alan. Oh, my gosh. The light <laughs> in the studio just went off. Okay, they went on again. Um, hi, for watching. It looks like I'm kidnapped. But I'm not. As always. Hi, my Alan. How's my baby? Oh, good. I don't know what it is about, like, if just the weather, the constant raining. I've just been tired. I know. Me too. I'm over it. I... Uh, tired and wanting to go outside and it's been cold. We're in the middle of May recording this now and it's just like freaking cold. I know. And uh, there's a park across the street from my house that has been under construction for like five months. I am about to make a huge sign that says like finish this shit and I'm going to like post it on the fence where they're working. I'm over it. Like when I walk out <laughs> and I see them breaking for lunch, I'm like, nope. Back to work. Back to work. Back to work. Finish the park. Screw your Finish union. The park. How long does it take to build a park? It's a bunch of the grass and some there. dirt. The park was fine. None of us were complaining about the park, but some asshole decided to rebuild <sighs> the park. Um, and rebuilding the park, Broadway's reopening. Yay! I'm, I'm excited. excited. Me I'm too. Ex- I'm excited for for stuff to go back to normal, and uh, I mean normal. You know what is normal? Um, and you know, and I've read a lot of stuff online about you know we're not ready to open yet. We have a lot of this and that, and I'm like, yes, but you know what? I am excited about getting back to work. I'm excited about us coming together and making positive change. Auditioning in person? Yes. And also, you know, I I really believe in us. I believe that theater is maybe one of the most liberal, you know, communities there can be. Mm. And I I love us. I really think that we are going to come back. We're going to make good change. And um, we're going to be stronger and better than ever. And to top that off, our guest today is one of my personal heroes, Lee Wilkoff. He was the original Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors, which is how I fell in love with him. Um, and um, he's one incredible man, a dear friend, and I'm so excited to have him on the show. So here he is, Josh Swallows Broadway! Hi, Lee. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, My pleasure. You're one of my favorite people ever. I will never forget meeting you. Um, I think it was like the first or second day of Little Me rehearsals for Encores. And you came up to me and you said something like, from one Seymour to another, like, it's great to meet you or something. And I was like, how did you know I was a Seymour? And oh my gosh, that's Lee Wilkoff. Did I look it, was, it up? Did I look it up or had I just guessed? I don't know. Or maybe somebody told you. I don't know. But you. it was like meeting Meryl Streep. Oh, you know, it's very difficult for me to like, I'm shy. And, uh, but I wanted, I, I, I wanted to get to know you. So I figured out a way to do it. It's not just like I can walk up to anybody and say hi, but I wanted to get to know you. And I, somebody must've told me, or I looked you up 
That's generally what I do. And then I could break the ice by with the Seymour. And uh, we had lunch sometime during rehearsal, that brief rehearsal period. And that's when we got to know each other. We went yeah. across the street to a uh, Thai restaurant. A Thai place. I hope it's still there. I was just going to say, I wonder if it's still there. If it is, that's where we are going when you come back to New York. I don't know what's, I don't, you know, there's, we haven't been back for a long time. And I worry about certain places in my neighborhood, whether sure. or not they've made it. You know, New York is, uh, it's weird. It's very much the same and it's very much a completely different place, you know? I, I'm anticipating that, and it makes me a little nervous to come back to, I've been in Ohio, so so come back to that energy. Yeah. And I also, I don't mean to get morbid, but I lost my closest friend oh, uh, no. early in the uh, COVID, name of a, 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 a wonderful man and a wonderful actor, Mark Blum. And Mark was a big part of New York for me. So, uh, and we had lunch at least once or twice a week, at, and if we could. And he's not going to be there, so New York's going to be really different for me. Plus all the other stuff. Yeah. So I'm a little nervous, but you know, yeah, this is life, and then uh, you know, it got all fakakt and set off its axis, and we got to go with it, or got to try. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. I and know it's difficult. It's very difficult. I know a lot of people struggling. I'm so sorry about your friend. Oh, That's thanks, terrible. thanks. He was wonderful, and it was horrible. Very, yeah. er, er, very early on. Yeah, this year has been filled with so much loss and yeah. um, pain. But you, um, one more. Did you know Nick? We we should sing Nick Cordero's praises. Yes. Did you know him? Yes, not oh. not very well. But, I, um, I knew him for a few years. What, what, what a great man. Yeah. What a great, fun, wise, talented. He was just great. Anyhow, yeah. okay, moving on. Well, no, I mean, it's important. It uh, is, it is. We, we, we've suffered a huge loss. Yeah. Our community, everyone, you know, that I know, really. Um, it's been a real awful year. But um, mm -hmm. one thing that I do look forward to is having lunch with you That'll when you are back in the city, and um, that'll be great. Finally, getting to meet your wife and saying, "Back off, my man." <laughs> She's a good lady. She's a yeah. fine lady. My wife went on uh, off on eighth. Uh, she saw the movie Nomad. She loved it, and she went off. And did a three-week road trip by herself. Drove out really? from Ohio to Utah by herself. Camped wow. by herself. Only a few nights camping. But it, she loved it. And she only fell once and hurt her knee. But she did great. Good for her. Of course her. she did great. She's tough, tough. That sounds terrifying. I would not do well with that. Like, my idea of camping is like five stars and there has to be like really good reviews and nice restaurants. We've done a little camping. I was a boy scout. I, oh. wanted, I, I wanted, I wanted my dad to, 
he wanted me to be a Boy Scout, so I, I went along with it for a while. And then at one point, you were required as a Boy Scout to wear your uniform to school. No. And the idea of wearing my Boy Scout uniform to high school, I quit the week before. That was not going to happen. Yeah. I, I was getting enough shit to begin with, but to wear a little, that cap and the little, the little kerchief, I couldn't do it. So I quit Boy Scouts. Isn't life hard enough? Yes. You want me to wear that? But a friend of mine did it, man. He did it. Oh, I was a terrible, terrible Cub Scout. I didn't even make it to the Boy Scouts. Well, um, it's, it, I'm glad I did it because I can light it. I can build a fire anywhere. And I, I had to do this thing called the Polar Bear Club. And it was during one winter season. You had to go camping and sleep in a tent in below freezing weather. I think 10 different weekends. And I did it. Why? Because I wanted that little badge. And I remember one kid, he was so cold and so he, he woke up with, uh, he was in uh, delirium. It was so cold. He was just like crazed by the cold. Jesus. And this is supposed to be good for you. Eh, maybe it's good for the spirit. It builds character. <laughs> I'm glad I did it because now I can camp out. Well, we've, good. We've camped out. Anyhow. Good. I, I'm a terrible camper. Is that what led you into acting? Were you sitting in like sub freezing temperatures and being like, enough of this shit. I want an easier life. I'm going to go into theater. <laughs> no, I was in school at Cincinnati <laughs> floundering and I didn't know what to do. And uh, a guy I knew said, I'm auditioning for a play uh, in the, a one act play. He wasn't in the theater department and, uh, I, and this guy, I had some sort of weird rivalry with him. And I went, man, if he can do it, I, I can do it. Because I, yeah, I, I did some acting when I was a kid at, at the Jewish Center. And I went in and I never left. I got cast and I never left. Did you the get a better department. part than he did? I don't remember the part he played. I remember the part I played. I don't remember the part I played. It was a three-character play. I And I remember I, I got shot in the eye with an arrow. Oh, my God. But it was mimed. And during the performance, I, like, pulled it out, and it pulled my glasses off, and they shattered on the ground, the first oh my, performance. I'm sure everybody was like, how did he do that? He's how did incredible. he shatter his glasses? And it was a big... Yeah, you know, a young accident. Alan Menken was in the audience being like, that's our Seymour. I just texted Alan today. Oh, I hadn't been in touch with him for fantastic. a while just to see how he was doing. How did a Little Shop come, to come about? Little Shop? I had become friends. My, fir my first play or my second play in New York, I met a uh, um, the stage manager who subsequently became a director uh, in the theater and then he directed a lot of television out in Los Angeles, Steve Zuckerman. And he had a girlfriend named uh, Darlene Kaplan, okay? And I knew her and she became the casting director at the WPA Theater. And uh, some, several years after meeting her, I was living in L.A. And out of the blue, out of the blue, uh, Darlene uh, sent me, uh, called me or sent me a script for uh, a musical uh, called Little Shop of Horrors, which I was familiar with the movie, mm -hmm. the original movie. 
the black and white film yeah, Roger Corman made with Jack Nicholson. They shot it in two days, and we watched it. Uh, there was a there was a fr in Cleveland, Ohio, the, on channel on on Channel Eight, CBS affiliate, every Friday night at eleven after the news. This guy came on named Goulardi. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, the director, the guy that directed Boogie Nights, his father, uh, oh, er wow. Ernie Anderson, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's films, Goulardi Productions. And he came on and he was like crazy and he he dressed up and he, he turned blue, purple kniff, and he <laughs> showed horror movies uh, or you know, cult movies. And he showed Little Shop and it was on maybe once or twice a year and it was always a highlight. It was like a big part of the week watching Goulardi. And then when this particular film came on, it was even bigger. So Darlene sent me this script and uh, said, would you fly in to audition for the role of the dentist in this musical? And uh, I knew Little Shop. I read it. I thought it was wonderful. I came to the audition. I flew myself in. And I had known Alan Menken from a review I had done three or four years earlier. And I walked in the room, uh, I was wearing a toupee because I had a toupee made for me for certain roles, which I don't think I ever wore for anything, but I auditioned with it. And uh, I walked in and Alan started laughing because he, you know, he knew I, me as a bald man and I ripped the toupee off out of embarrassment. And Howard Ashman, may he rest in peace. He said, you're not, you're not a dentist. You're a Seymour. So I think I read cold for Seymour. I remember I, wow. I remember I sang the song smile because I really didn't have like a legit, I didn't have a show. Um, I didn't have, you know, uh, I hadn't been in musicals, so I wasn't singing anything from a musical, but I sang a song that I thought showed my voice off. And then I got a call back. The next day, I and uh, I don't know. Within a couple, I knew it was pretty soon. Uh, I got it, and I, 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 I uh, moved back to New York, not permanently, not with any intention of moving back permanently. I stayed in a, um, a friend's apartment. It was empty, and uh, we rehearsed downtown. And uh, I mean, I knew it was good when I read it. It was good. They didn't change anything. So you know how good it is. Yeah. So it was good. I mean, they had a couple. There was another song. Are you familiar with? Did you know there was another song? Mm -hmm. We'll have tomorrow. Yeah. Which um, the lyric in. in uh, there's a lyric. We'll have tomorrow. But that's actually a song that Seymour actually sang as he put Audrey in the plant, but oh. they decided to cut it because they'd already had suddenly Seymour, a ballad and it stopped the action cold. And that's the only thing I think they cut that wow. song. I actually sang that at Howard's Memorial. It's a beautiful, Oh my God, it's a beautiful oh, wow. song. And, um, rehearsals was, uh, rehearsal was, was, you know, a new musical is is not easy to build. No, it's, it's hard. not easy to build. But they had the foundation was so strong with the music and the script. Sometimes you're in a new musical and it's not it's not such good material plus all the other elements, and it came together. But it was you know it, it, not the easiest birth in the world because of all the 
the, the, the technical stuff. I remember staging call back in the morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like we ran it about 12 million times and phone lines crossing. And, oh you know, God. just that was took like three days. And um, and it opened at the WPA Theater where it was originally on Fifth Avenue uh, above a massage parlor. <laughs> and it was a tiny black box and it opened. And it was like. I've told this before about a week before I had flyers and I would take them to people to come and see it. And for people not familiar with uh, the original film, they didn't know what the hell it was. What the hell is this? You know? And two weeks later, they're begging for tickets because wow. it, it opened. It was immediately great. I mean, the first couple nights were probably rough. I don't remember. We, with the plant and all that stuff, because it was a tiny theater. We, we manipulated everything behind the plant at the end of the show. Sure. And, and we had these things. We had, we had what's called root booties. We had these little boots on that looked like roots of a plant, but they actually <laughs> look like green shoes. So that was somehow eliminated. And it was, uh, you know, technically weird, but people went for it immediately. And it became, without question, the hottest ticket in town. Yeah. Impossible to get a ticket. And then you'd see in the audience, you'd look out. I remember one night it was like Tommy Toon sitting next to Liza Minnelli. I mean, everybody saw it, wanted to see it. Wow. What was that like? Just like being in the hottest, hottest thing in the world. It was a little heady and it was exciting. I was still, I was still finding my way. I'm very slow. And they were not, it was not, interestingly, uh, I was, we were probably a week before first preview and I was floundering and Howard was worried about me and I knew it. I knew it in my soul. And I called the assistant, his assistant. And interestingly, the day I called her, Howard said to her, I want you to start working with Lee tomorrow. And I called her the night that he told her that. It was really interesting coincidence. And uh, she worked with me and she's a wonderful director. And uh, her name's Connie Grappo. And I married her. I love it. I met her on the show. She saved my tuchus, my tushy, my ass. And uh, as a reward, I married her. As a reward, now, I married her. I, I, I was in love with her long before that. Oh, my God. I love it. That's so sweet. She and was your Audrey. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And we're still married. And uh, she's upstairs asleep. And uh, so that I was in trouble. And uh, she saved my tush. And, uh, and, but it, it took a while for me. Yeah. Well, Seymour is a hard role. People don't really mm-hmm. realize that. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, if you do I, it right, you know, you can nerd it up and it maybe is a little easier doing that, but that does, that's really not, it's not really, it's not, it's not about being a nerd. Yeah. I based it 
loosely on a, a roommate that I had. His the speech pattern was based loosely on a, a roommate that I had, uh, somebody that I did. I was an apprentice at the Canal Fulton Summer Theater uh, ten years before. That's who I based it on. Wow! And uh, my speech pattern and uh, the singing. It's just so beautifully written. And I, you know, I could sing. I'm not a trained singer. And that was not, that was not the difficult part. It was just, you know, it's very, uh, it's very, he's very fraught. He's very, he's very, uh, he's an unhappy person. He has had no love in his life. Yeah. And he finally finds it. Audrey yeah. actually falls in love with him. It's just amazing. And um, I ended, I was just, I went to a Mother's Day thingy here in Columbus and my three-year-old niece, her favorite song is Suddenly Seymour. Her mother plays it for her. So that, so that's nice. That's incredible. I think it's amazing that you're a part of that kind of history. And um, I mean, not just that, but also one of my favorite shows, Assassins. You know, you that's got my favorite. That's uh, that's my favorite thing I've ever done, and I've done. I've been talking a lot about it because this was the thirtieth anniversary. So right. I've done like a, a couple like podcasts and another thing with CSC, and uh, it's come back like into my life a little because we've had these podcasts, and I've got to see everybody. Some of the people I don't think I've seen since we did it. Most of them I bump into, but. Uh, that was very special to me. That that wow. that really little shop changed my life in one way, but assassins changed my life in in, a, in another way. I was living in L.A. and uh, I I came and auditioned for it. I I cannot remember the circumstances, but I flew in and auditioned for it and got it. And I came to New York and I went, I gotta get the hell. I gotta be here. I got to work with these kind of people. I, I, I'm not the stuff I'm doing in LA is is killing me. I was playing like nerdy little roles in TV shows, which is fine, and thank God for that. Sure, but uh, I I and I was working with these people who I I I knew who they were, and I went. I want to be part of. I want to try to be part of this world. So we thank God my. Connie got into Yale drama school uh, a year later and we did move back. Uh, but I said I was going to move back. I don't know if we ever would have, if she didn't get into school, but we did. But that show, not only that experience working with all these, I mean, I got, I, Stephen Sondheim and everybody else involved, John Weidman and all the cast. And, um, Oh my God! What a what a gift that was. That was just, and the role is just one oh. of the best roles ever yeah. written. That that monologue that yeah. you got to do. Yeah, I just that was the one that I had the best time. The dressing room was the best. Oh. Made uh, friends with a lot of people, but one of my closest friends I met on that show, and uh, it just means so much to me. What was? How did audiences respond to Assassins the first time? 
I, I can't remember the exact date, but uh, the the uh, uh, the first Iraq war started within the first week. It might have been the first night of performance. So people were com- completely on edge, freaked out. Not everybody, but I'm assuming most people. So people were tense and were pulling out guns, and there was a lot of tension in the room. My understanding was that, first of all, there were people who took it on as just face value and said, why would you write a, why would you write a musical uh, about people that kill presidents and kind of elevate them? And if, you know, that was not really what it was about, it was, those were the characters in it, but it was, it was, it was about such, such more profound stuff. Um, so there were people that on that level hated it. There were people that were tense. There were people that, that a loved. There's a lot of people that love it. Clearly, um, it just hits them in the kishkas, and they understand what it's about. And you know, I, I'm still not sure I understand it totally. It's very dense. It's very, um, you know, it's very relevant now. Um, but there were people that loathed it, and there were people that loved it. Like Little Shop, I'm sure there were a few people that hated it, but everybody loved it. This show is like, people are like, they walking in like this because there's a (laughs) war that just started. So they're freaked out to begin with, and then it's about killing people. And and there's lots of humor, and it was very confusing for people and troubling for people, and... Well, I think it's supposed to be troubling, um, but it was a difficult time. And, uh, you know, the, the, the reviews were uh, not not all positive, although my, you know, reviews are that whole deal. But my sure. my most favorite critic of all times, Vincent Canby, for some reason was not reviewing films anymore. That's what I knew him from. He was reviewing he did the second opinion. They used to have a second opinion on Sunday and he got it and he loved it. And that, that was great, but it was, you know, mixed reviews uh, because it, it, it was challenging and difficult and ugly. I mean, it was about ugly stuff. It was not an ugly musical. And it was, I mean, the, I don't know, this, the, the whole experience was so little shop was, special and of course i met the person that has you know my whole life is with connie grappo yeah but and that was that experience but but assassins was that was about my life little shop uh my personal life got kind of centered and uh, assassins was the beginning of my professional life kind of finally finding my place because I thought I, I had my, 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 I envisioned something completely different from myself in my most elevated. I thought, you know, I, I believe this and I'm probably wrong because everybody has their own motivation for doing what they do. But a lot of people go into this business with an expectation and a hope that they will be successful and 
make a living. And I, my fantasy of that was going to be sitcoms. You know, if I hit it big, yeah. it would be in a sitcom. Well, that it never happened. You know, I did some and I always was awful because as I said, I need time and you got to be pretty fast on your feet. And I'm not And Los Angeles. It, it just didn't, it didn't go that way. And then I came to New York doing assassins, even though that was long after, um, little shop, um, like eight years, hmm. I still hadn't like found my path, so to speak. And assassins was the beginning of the path. Little shop wasn't. And we moved here and, uh, my life has been in, mostly in the theater in New York. And I'm great. I'm so grateful for it, yeah. but it started with assassins. So it means a lot to me. So what much happened, to me. Uh, what happened after assassins when you started finding your path? Oh, I did. I did. She loves me. I started to work. Yeah, in New York, I I did. She loves me. I started to do Broadway shows, and I I did I I because I could sing. I made a deal, you know, not a deal, but my agent agreed. I'm not gonna just I I I'm lucky that I can sing, but I'm not really a musical theater person. I don't yeah. think. And I said I'm not gonna do two musicals in a row if possible. So I would do a musical and then I would fortunately get a, a non-musical and that was important to me. And I never stayed in shows as long as I probably should have. I do like a hit. I mean, I was in some hits like she loves me. I was in the whole run. It was a year. Um, Kiss me, Kate. I think that went on for two years, but I left after like 10 months. And cause I just, I like to keep moving and take my chances yeah. And I've got to do some some plays that have been really special to me. I and I've got to do a lot of things. Um a, a lot of different kind of things. Sure. Musicals, non-musicals. Got to work with amazing people. I got to work with Bob Fosse. I got to work with Joe Mantello, um, Nathan Lane a zillion times. Yeah, you and Nathan are really close, right? Yes, we're close. That's amazing. And he also starred in your film, No Pay Nudity. Yes, he did. That's incredible. And he was so good in it. Well, you're so good. I mean, when did you start realizing that you were a writer as well and had these other talents? A writer? I don't consider myself a writer, but I've written a few things. Actually, this past weekend, we did a reading, a Zoom reading of an, of another screenplay that I wrote uh, that I looked. I Today, I realized I started working on it in 2013, which I realized is, what's that, eight years ago? Uh, something like that, yeah. yeah I, I thought it was like three or four years ago. Um, when did I realize it? I don't know. I was in a, I was in a lull and I wasn't working and I had an idea about an actor that of a certain age, about my age that was stopped working and was freaking out. 
and spent all his time, which I did not, but he spent his time. He was one of the people that hung out. uh, I had, here was the impetus. I'm backing up a little. Back up. I was, uh, uh, I lived either in Brooklyn or I lived in Connecticut. And my experience in the equity lounge uh, was going to the lounge and using it to go to the bathroom, you know, to take a leak. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember going, uh, I don't know how many years ago, but I went, I stopped, I stopped in at the lounge and then I didn't go back for, I, I did not return to the lounge for at least 10 years. It may have been longer. The same exact people were in the lounge 10 years later. And I said, this, we might have a movie here. Okay. So then at the same time, uh, I was not working and I wanted to write about an actor that was not working, but I thought in the milieu of the, a lot of people in the lounge that hang out in the lounge, they're not working. So I came up with this story and I, I really have never directed a play. I directed a few uh, one act plays at the 52nd street project. Um, But I knew I had been on enough movie sets and TV sets. I knew I knew how to talk to actors. I knew that I didn't know too much technically, but I knew enough that if I had amazing, good people that were experienced cinematographer and all the various uh, departments, I'd be able to, to, to communicate with them. So I, I uh, was able to raise the money for the, for the film. And uh, I cast mostly, I think I only cast two people from casting sessions because I cast people that I knew. Yeah. And I didn't know uh, a, a young age. I didn't know any young Asian men. I didn't know a lot of them. I knew a few, but I needed to see a lot of people. And I didn't know um, young African-American men of a certain age. I just didn't know a lot of them. So we just, those are the only people that I didn't know that I cast before the film. And I cast all friends. And I really only had to give like two acting notes, as it turned out, because I cast so well. And I was able to communicate those two notes, I think, fairly well. And I got what I needed. And um, I'm very proud of that I made the film. There's things, uh, there's things in the film that um, I'm not that proud of. Uh, uh, I had people that put in a lot of money. And they, uh, for a certain point, I was resisting anything that they were trying to suggest to me. But at a certain point, I had to. They gave me a lot of money. I mean, I couldn't ignore them. So yeah, I always say anything that you don't like in the film, it was the producer's idea. <laughs> they forced me to do it, which is pretty true. There's some things in the film that I go, <laughs> but um, the performances are very special. Nathan, phenomenal. Gabriel, everybody, Gabriel Byrne, Donna Murphy, Boyd Gaines, Franny Conroy, uh, just such a wonderful group of actors. And I think that makes the film, it, it helps it be effective. There's a pro- there's some problems. There's, there's basically no ending. But um, I'm so uh, 
I love making it. I, I, I loved pre-production was tricky. Shooting it was I loved. And post-production, well, it almost killed me. But <sighs> we got it made. We got a distributor. Uh, they cocked up because it's a movie that is so about New York. And they did something. I don't remember how, what happened, but it never got a New York screening. Which is so weird. Really weird. Of all the cities in the world, it but, should have played somewhere in a theater in New York, some some small art house, but they cocked up the distribution. But it's okay. And, uh, you know, people that people people seem to like it. And, um, and then uh, I'm trying, I, I mean, I'm not really trying, I'm, I'm not trying the same way I tried to make no pay nudity. That's the name of the film. I'm not trying to, to do this. I, I wanted, I'd love to make this film. It's called, it's had so many titles. I'll, I'll start. It's it, it, it. the first title is so obscure. It's called Hoint beep soy, which is <laughs> these noises that I, it's based on when I was 15 and I used to call this radio talk show and I would, my brothers and I made my brother and I made this this noise. We heard some little kid go oink oink, and for years I was called the hointer. I would go hoint hoint hoint, <laughs> and I would call this talk radio show that was on Friday nights and disrupt the show by hointing. Okay, oh my god! And it became like notorious, and the guy had to stop the show a few times and go. He'd go, "The pig's back." The pig is back. It was the before the days of if he didn't do it fast enough, he had the delay button. But they didn't have like a number that you could see. This was 1966. That's hilarious. So, so uh, first it was called Hoint Beep Soy. Then it was called Teenage Waistband. And I was told, <laughs> don't use that. Then it was called Boy Chick. Then it was called Fat of the Land. And now it's called Teenage Wasteland, which oh. is a, which is uh a lyric from a from uh, Baba O'Reilly, a song yeah. by The Who. Um, they'd probably sue us if we ever made the film oh, and wouldn't let us use it. Them. But um, so we did a reading on uh, Saturday, 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 like a cast of 30. And most wow. of the cast are, I would say half the cast, they're in their teens. Oh and my god. That was very challenging. Most of the most of the young people that did the reading were not in their teens. They were like 20s. They looked in their teens. Sure. And it went you know, Zoom readings are weird, you know, people's things freeze and somebody said to me, especially with that many people, it's like talking postage stamps. Right. But some pe but people seem to like it and I got some really wonderful notes and I'm going to re, re do a little bit of rewriting and uh, you know, maybe try to get it to some people that will, I'm, it's a completely different. I, I literally went with my hat in my hand for a year begging for money and I'm not doing it this way. If, if I can get it to some, you know, a production company that will make it fine, but I'm not, yeah. if I get it made fine. And if I don't get it made fine and I can't do it the same way, it was very painful sure. to raise the money. And I just don't have that in me. But, um, so when did I realize I was a writer? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't consider myself a writer, but. Uh, but you I'm, are Blanche. You if, are a writer. If I know what, I mean, I've, I've written two movies with my partner 
both one is about being an older actor who doesn't work. Well, I know that life. And the other one is about my life. So I know that. So I can write that. I can write those. But if you ask me to write something like a detective in the 30s, I don't think I could do it. I think I've tried to do that. I tried to write some short stories and they're pathetic. I think you and I could write a fucking detective thing like you and me. Good. The boy chick detectives, like the Jewish Hardy boys. I think I think with with another person. Yeah, I could, but not by myself. But I don't consider myself a writer. And I do actually, you know, I directed a movie, so I call myself a director. But I'm primarily uh, an actor. Still am, even though I haven't worked almost going on a year and a half. I know all of us, but yeah. I'm not. We're... I'm not alone. I don't feel like picked on. No, no, no. But um, you know, we're coming back. Yeah, that's I what just, the kids are saying. I read today that they're going to do. Uh, my friend uh, it was in company, and they're they announced today it's going to be back in spring of December or something. No, twenty twenty two, March twenty twenty two, almost. Oh. Is that a year from now? A little less than a know. year from now. Yeah. I don't know. I, I hope Katrina Lank doesn't age out of 35. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, it's, but it's a long way off. In the meantime, dear listeners, we have a trailer of No Pain Nudity. Get into it. It's fantastic. It's so good. It's still and, available, I believe, on Amazon uh-huh. and a few other platforms if you look it up. Um, so please enjoy this beautiful trailer. So what news? So, okay, I talked to Carol, and as always, they love you. Yeah, yeah, they love me. They're not going to hire me. No, no, actually, they're considering you for The Fool. The Fool? He's famous. He's an actor. Oh, neat. Lester! Why are you eating in here? Lester! Outside. Dog dies this morning. I can't even have a breakfast. The man lost his best friend today. Let him eat his egg sandwich. This is an actor's lounge. I read the paper to the blind man in 4F. Can you do that again, please? Hello? Hello? Can, 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 can you do that? I got an audition today. Oh, well, that's more like it. What for? King Lear. I oh, think a great Lear. Thanks, Jim. I have a proposition for you. It's so humiliating. So whenever you're ready, Lawrence. I'm getting too old for this crap. Old? I quit. I'm done. I'm out of here. You have a gift. Don't you people have homes? Don't you people have family? Stop counting other people's blessings, or you will never find any peace in this godforsaken world. Who are you? I'm yourself. Perseverance, survival, and beauty. That is a career, my dear darlings. And as the the film is still out there, I believe we made $16 last year. 
Congratulations! But, now, I, what is uh, Francis Conroy like? Francis Conroy is a gentle, gentle, imaginative, like spirit. Wow. Yeah. She's one of my favorite actors. Oh, she's she's uh, so skilled that you, you never see any. No, she just is. She just, I've never seen everything I've seen her do. She just is. She's just, I, I, I didn't know her. I did not know her. Just offered it to her. Wow. Um, and so glad she did it because I was such a huge fan. <coughs> so from, for, from, from seeing her do theater years ago, she's beautiful. She's yeah. beautiful, sweet, gentle spirit. Oh, I want to see you two in a play together so badly. That would be so wonderful. I hope she still does plays. She does a lot of the what's his name? Ryan. Ryan Murphy. Murphy. All all his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but everybody, please go get no pay nudity. It's beautiful. You'll love it. And that cast and from the brain of Lee Wilkoff, it's just and Ethan Sandler. Get it. And one other thing, uh, we we didn't open in New York. We didn't get reviewed. I know reviews. I, I'm ambivalent about them, but they help sometimes. But at the end of the year, the gentleman, Neil Genslinger, uh, he, he was a theater uh, critic. Now he writes obituaries at the Times. But he, he was assigned, when it was supposed to open in New York, he was assigned to uh, he was going to review it but then it didn't open but he did write a story about some films at the end of the year that it came out and he called it the best titled film of the year oh. i'll take that thank you neil and who is the fellow who plays the like the audition monitor at the equity center oh uh jr horn he's he's since he passed away shortly oh, after I'm we so finished. Sorry. Yeah, he was—he was great. He so was a great. He was brilliant, and he was hilarious, and he was—he was profane. You know, he—I he, liked him because he—he he had it—he talked dirty like I sometimes do. <laughs> he was—he was fantastic. He was in a lot of—he was in a few Cone Brothers films. Yeah, he was a special, special man. Oh, and big loss. Yeah, oh, I did. Well, dedicated the film to him oh my gosh that's beautiful well he was brilliant and um i'm glad that uh that his legacy gets to live on with the film um that's wonderful and you're coming back home soon yes we've been in ohio for since february of what year is it it's uh, since february of 2020 we came out here to help our daughter perry open a second uh venue and uh, then that didn't happen because COVID came. And then we just yeah. decided we'd stick around. And we stuck around. And then I got cancer. I know. But I got, you're doing better now, yeah? I'm cancer-free. I'm Thank in, God. And uh, I can't sing right now. I'm going to put that out there. I'm not going to, like, say I can sing and then go to an audition and squawk. But everything seems to be fine. Everything Great. is fine except my vocal cords are swollen and I can still act and I can clearly talk. 
So, uh, but I don't have cancer no more. But that happened while we were here, and we decided to stick, stay, and we're leaving. We're coming home in June. Good, good. That's next well, month. If you need any help with anything, I am happy to help bring things up in an elevator oh, and nice. open doors and make up songs for you and your wife. Are you vaxxed? I'm vaxxed. Double vaxxed? Good. Double vaxxed, boo. Excellent. Excellent. We're going to cuddle. I'm going to be Mistress Wilkoff, <laughs> the Duchess of the Wilkoff family. Now, do you have something to do uh, when the theater comes back? Were you in a show? No. I, I was in a show that closed. You were um, in the prom. No, I was no. in this this other thing um, about emojis, emoji land. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember hearing about that. Yeah. But it, it's not going to reopen. I don't think so. Um, was it but, was it on Theater Row? No, um, it? it was. It was in that the Duke Theater in Forty Second Street Studios. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. lovely space. Yeah, and uh, was it fun? Yeah. Did it, did you actually open? Yes. And we're running. Yes, we were open, we were running, and COVID happened, and I said, no more. Who was in it? Um, it was, was Anne? me and Harada. Yeah. Delicious. I love her. Um, Leslie Margarita, Max Crum, um, uh, Lucas, Lucas Steele, a lot of great folk. Um, but uh, yeah, so... I, I don't think that will come back, but it's also, you know, it's just sort of weird. I'm like, oh, yay, yay, everything's coming back, I guess. But right now, it's still just sort of like sending self-tapes out into oblivion. Yeah, I, I've um, never, I shouldn't say this, but I've never gotten a job doing a self-tape. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of, like, like it just feels like I'm opening a window and letting a balloon out of it every time I send one off, you know, it's just sort of like, Oh, okay. Here's another one. Yeah. I actually like working on a few of them cause I get to act a little. Yeah. So yeah. I agree. But um, uh, I, I like being, I'm better in person. Yeah. That's how I feel. Um, I that's, just, the, that's the way life is right now. It's going to change. I think. Yeah, well, what I'm looking forward to is going to a diner with you and having soup or Thai and getting to hug my friend. That's is there, what I is there a nice diner out where you live? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a few, but I'm in Queens. I'm not going to make you schlep to me. I'm going oh, to come to Harlem. Welcome to uh, Harlem. I think we're going to Harlem. We might be on the uh, somewhere up, up north, Upper West Side or Harlem. Great. We well, think I'll, if we can find a place. I'll come help you uh, explore the neighborhood. It'll be fun. Yeah, I don't know it that well, but we, we want to be further up out of near the top of the city because we're going to be, we have a friend that has a farm and we're probably going to up north and we want to just not have to, you know, kill an hour to get oh, out of the city. Sounds so nice. I need so. a friend with a farm. You, you're, you're, you're young. You'll get you're one. <laughs> maybe, maybe not, not like their farm, but I'd like to live in the country. Oh, that's I like nice. the country. I love yeah. the city, but enough. 
Yeah. But well, who knows what's next? Who knows? Well, I know what's next. I'm going to hug the shit out of you this June. That's what I know. Um, Promise. Oh, Lee, thanks for coming on the show. I miss you so much. I look up to you so much. So many people do. Um, you've created a legacy, whether you like it or not, for for all us, you know, character guys. You've you really paved the way. That's and, really so um, nice of you to say. I I never. I don't. I I mean I I didn't know that, but. Well, That's I think really nice. Well, I mean, I'm an old character man, and I'm still around. And I guess, you know, I've I, I never mind. I don't well, want to talk about it. What's myself? Special, but thank you for saying that. You're welcome. Because, and I mean it. Because what's special is you you made it okay for character actors to be more than just funny or more than a punchline. They were people. They were they had feelings like Seymour. You know, he wasn't a joke. He was a real person. And that's what made the show work and what made it beautiful. And it let other character people like myself know that focus on the human. That's what's important. Like in, in Assassins, that incredible monologue. You know, is it funny? Yes. It's hilarious. But it's also painful. It's also real. And, well, that's um, that's where I really that's what I, I enjoy. Uh, people people think that I, I mean, I do like doing comedy, but I I like doing if I'm going to do comedy, it, it needs to have some some soul. Yeah, just not just. I mean, the, the thing about L.A. was sitcoms is it's it's about the laugh, the kind of roles I was playing. I there was no kind of I didn't get to travel a. a, a take too deep of a journey inward. And I've had the opportunity with some lots of things that I've done since I've been back in New York to take that journey, whether it be a comedy or a, uh, or, or a music or a nod. So thank you for recognizing that. That means so much to me. Well, I love you. I look up to you. I can't wait to give you a big, big hug. Can I get the dog to say goodbye? Yes. Hold on. Hold on. He's over on the couch. Hold Hold, please. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, at home I've had, my cat has been, if, if you've heard a purring on the shelf next to my microphone, just laying there stretched out being like, pet me bitch. Oh my goodness. Hello. Hold on Floyd. Stay here. Floyd. That's Floyd. Oh, hi Floyd. It's Floyd. Hello. Oh, I love him. Hi Floyd Collins. Hi. We named him after. Did you, you're too young. Did you ever watch the Andy Griffith show, Floyd the yeah. Barber? He's yeah, yeah. He's Floyd the Barber, and then oh. he happened. He turned out to be kind of pink, so he's Pink Floyd. Oh, I love him. Oh, he's perfect. He's a very good boy, but he he's kind of mental case. Okay. Oh, well, so is his Uncle Josh. <laughs> and your cats? What's their names? Sweeney and Toby. And are they uh, related? Are they? Are they? They're siblings? not related. Um, they're siblings by force, and uh, but they're they're wonderful. One of them was laid like across my desk, uh, right by the microphone, being like, "Pet me, bitch!" The entire episode, just purring, just purring. Yeah, the entire episode. Uh, he's since gone off in search of I don't know 
better love or something. But um, my daughter has cats. They are. I've never seen such indifference. But maybe they're not to her, but to me. <laughs> so uh, I've never really had a cat. So I, I, I'd, if I had one, I'd want one that would be just hang with me. Yeah, yeah. This one, one of them just sort of keeps to himself, but uh, Toby just wants to be with me and on top of me. And that's, like, that's what I want. He's so sweet. Floyd, I, the, our last dog before uh, Floyd, Edna, she never left my side. And then he's, he's ambivalent about me. Anyhow, I love you, Josh. I and love I'll, you too. I'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Love you. Bye. Love you too. Bye, Lee. Josh Swallows Broadway is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and myself, Josh Lehman, with associate producer Elizabeth Wheelis. And special thanks to our Patreon producers, David Rimmer and Josh Harris. You can join them. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Josh Swallows Broadway. Leave a rating. Leave a review. I read them. This is how I continue living. Help me live. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for keeping Broadway alive and swallow you soon. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.